Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. We're kicking off with a conversation we need to have. Not to have it would be to, in a way, perpetuate many of the attitudes and actions that have led to the Royal Commission on Child Abuse. Much has been said about it all over the last week since the Commission was announced. There's been a range of different responses, entirely understandably, about the Church, But not much has been heard about how this leaves the Christian community. What are we to feel about it all? How should we rightly respond? I'd be really interested to hear from you what you have to say about this, how you've been reflecting on it all. This is an important night for a full and frank open house conversation. We'd love to hear from you on 1300402020 or keep posting on our Open House Community Facebook page where there's been quite a conversation underway. Have a look. While you do, I want to get the perspective of someone with an intimate knowledge of the Christian community, yet not one from a particular church or denomination. A man who has some clear, strong, and I think welcome things to say on all this, Simon Smart from the Centre for Public Christianity. He's been thinking deeply on this. Simon, welcome back to Open House. Nice to talk to you, Lee. Thanks, Simon. You say the Emperor has no clothes and people within the Christian faith cannot look away from this. No, it's as terrible as this is, uh, and as much as you know, just like to hope it isn't as bad as it looks, I uh, really feel like uh, Christians can't put their head in the sand over this. Uh, it's not going to go away. needed to face it and uh, face up to all the implications of it as well. And that's different from much of the attitude that's pervaded the church really for a generation in how it's dealt with this, which is probably part of the problem. Well, I think it is. Historically, anyway, there's been really inadequate uh, handling of these cases. I think that's been the case across lots of different denominations. And sometimes for perhaps well-meaning or unintended consequences of the actions. Uh, But, yeah, we've had terrible uh, responses to it. And uh, I think churches overall are getting their act together on this, but there's some way to go. You say that if we're in Old Testament times, we'd be tearing our clothes and wearing sackcloth and ashes. For the uninitiated, explain what you mean by that. I mean by that that as we consider the victims of abuse that's gone on in the church, uh, anyone who's a believer should be hanging their head in grief, shame and regret. I mean, there has just been terrible damage done to individual lives and families, and it's really impossible to calculate that sort of damage. And to think that that's taken place within the church is a cause of deep, deep sorrow for for all of us who are believers. Yes. For you, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian and martyr, has an important perspective for the church at this kind of time. I really do. Uh, Bonhoeffer, of course, some of your listeners will, will know that uh, he was martyred uh, by the Nazis in 1945 for his resistance to the Nazi regime and, and the plot to assassinate Hitler. Well, and Bonhoeffer's famous for all sorts of things uh, in his writing. And he wrote this, and I think it's really relevant to this discussion, Lee, that he wrote that the church is only the church when it exists for others. And so as the Nazi threat was building up. He he warned the church to resist the temptation to sort of hide in self-preserving defensive action. And he called on them to admit, as, as as the machinery of Nazism got moving, he said the church has to admit that it has failed to suffer for what is right. 
Uh, and he said it's got to avoid complicity and apathy and admit that a whole lot of terrible things have gone on and that the church hasn't been able to uh, get behind and to support the people who've suffered at the hands of this regime. And I feel like there's some connections here between uh, that older story and what we're seeing today. And while, of course, this Royal Commission is broader than church child abuse, other institutions will also be under the microscope. But for the church, you say it now has to suffer, as Bonhoeffer put it, for what is right. That's right. It's definitely the case that uh, the church isn't alone in the way abuse has taken place across our community, and we're going to see that in this Royal Commission. It's not only the church... But, Lee, when it has occurred in the church, I mean, I can't think of a greater blasphemy than this. Uh, It's a terrible uh, betrayal of the faith when innocent children are entrusted to an institution that, at its best and at its heart, is all about love and care and protection of vulnerable and uh, weak people, the children among us. Uh, it's, it's just the worst type kind of betrayal and cruelty and, and it causes deep shame. You pose this simple and stark question. It's an important question. How could this happen? As you've thought on this deeply, what's the answer you've come up with, Simon? Well, uh, I don't know. I have come up with one, Lee. Uh, it's just a, a terrible crime, a terrible shame. I guess it's true that... Um, you know, the church, of course, includes the Christian community. It's, it's full of, you know, we're all deeply flawed individuals and it's possible for any number of sinful activities to take place in that community. But it's just a, you know, it's, how, can you, how can you get to the point where you're getting these children brought into an institution like that and they're supposed to be cared for? And allow, and this has been allowed to go on. It leaves you, you know, tearing your hair out. Really, the abuse is one thing. The response of the church has been another, as these stories have emerged over such a long time now. And all too often, as we say, they've been woefully inadequate. The responses terribly inadequate. Uh, we sometimes hear that it's even worse than inadequate. So we sometimes there's allegations of, uh, and we'll hear more about this, I guess of cover-up, of protecting um, individuals who have been responsible for these crimes, also for what seems to be trying to protect the institution and the good name, supposedly, of the institution uh, in order to... Um, you know, so, and that's, that's led to these sort of cover-ups, I guess, if you like. And I guess, it, ultimately, I mean, that's such a betrayal. And, and uh, not hearing the victims... We hear this sort of story where the victims have been left feeling like they're not even allowed to be heard. There just hasn't been enough compassion in, in uh, a number of these cases. And I guess what, what we would hope is that as an inquiry into this gets underway, that everyone involved will, will face up to this and to look at what can be done. I think there has been a lot of work done in the last 20 years across the whole of churches, and I think the situation is getting a lot better. Uh, but there's been some some big gaps as well, Lee. You make the point that Christian faith is not primarily about judgment or condemnation, but redemption, forgiveness and healing, which is true. But that will still not detract from our horror of what's gone on in the church. Absolutely not. I mean, sure, Jesus warned us against judging others, right? Don't don't judge lest we also be judged. Um, But he wasn't into cheap forgiveness either. 
uh, I, I remember reading uh, the Yale theologian Miroslav Volf, who I've read, read quite a lot of his work, and he's, he's himself famous for having forgiven his interrogators in uh, the former communist Yugoslavia, where he, was, uh, where he grew up. And he came under some quite brutal interrogation. He forgave his interrogators. But even Volf, who's famous for that, says Christian forgiveness is not some kind of teary-eyed sentiment. This is hard-edged. It's, it relies on honestly facing up to wrongs and bringing them out into the light. Uh, he, he once wrote that full reconciliation can't take place until the truth has been said and justice done. So that's, uh, that's I think, a good perspective on the sort of way forward in this. Mind you, you must, like so many listening, dread what's ahead in the years to come with this World Commission. Yes, uh, I think it'll bring up some things we we just really wish weren't true. But you know, facing up to truth is is vital. A peace that that isn't truthful, said Stanley Halvars, is cursed. And so, yeah, you're right, Lee. I think it's it's going to bring up some dark, ugly stuff. Uh, but hopefully, over time, it's going to be working towards something that we can be glad of in the end. Simon, you say the church and its leaders must be prepared to let the church fall if it comes to that. Well, yeah, and and what I mean by that is, as a believer, I would hope that the church's response to these problems will be to rush quickly to the side of, not the institution and defending and so on, but of the victims. And, you know, in a way, embrace whatever it takes, whatever it takes to seek recompense for people who've suffered in this way. And if that means bankruptcy and losing buildings, whatever, uh, let's hope that that's the, the emphasis. And, and so that everyone will be clear that the church is interested in, in honesty and in protection of people who are uh, in their care and that, they won't to- that it won't tolerate some of the terrible things that have gone on in the past. Can I ask a much broader question, which I think leads on from all this and those inevitable water cooler conversations that people will have at work about this. What does all this mean about the way the Christian faith is represented, explained, promoted and lived out in the world today? Well, it's it's very important, isn't it? Because uh, as these sorts of stories come to light, it plays into a perception that the church and Christianity is one thing that those of us who are believers want to sort of resist. We want to say, no, this, Christianity uh, has so much to offer. We, those of us who believe it's true think that this is the answer to the things that we need and we search for in life. But as we try to communicate that, we have to understand the way that things are perceived in the public. And sometimes it's slightly unfair, but the truth is that there's some shameful chapters of Christian history and it has to be acknowledged. And I think we have to acknowledge those, those areas before we can then have permission, in a way, to go on and say, but the heart of the faith is not about that. That's a failure of people who've claimed to be following Christ and that the heart of the faith is about something completely other than that. But we won't even get to that conversation if we can't acknowledge some of what's gone on. Will it change the way we speak about Christian faith and live it out in the world? Well, I think it'll have to in the end because we just have to be honest about this. Um, we don't want to come to the point where we, we're not telling the good stories either, though, because no. these, are, these, are, these are problems, deep problems that we have to acknowledge, but 
but there's some very positive, good stories to be told as well. And of course, even, you know, the church, of course, is doing some fantastic work in the world, but we can't even get to talk about that if we can't uh, acknowledge the failings as well. So I think what you have to say is a really important contribution in this. I'm really grateful for you putting yourself up for it. Thank you so much for joining us on Open House. That's good to chat to you, Lee. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.